It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. All right, how you doing, everybody? And let's talk sports. We got Lee Hacksaw Hamilton joining us today. Lee, how you doing? Nice to hear from you, John. And uh, I will tell you that it's an exciting time. We got the baseball pennant races that are moving front and center with everybody. It's the opening weekend of NFL preseason. We got some big stories in sports. We'll cover them all. Topics on the table in our podcast that is underway. And we invite everybody that is watching us on our stream live to get involved. John. How. So the way it works is, is that we are live streaming on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. That means that you can participate in the live stream. You can type your comments and questions. Um, Lee will see them on the screen. We'll engage. We'll respond to your, uh, your questions and, and give you the information that you need. So please join us. And we invite you to be with us because we'll do the fans forum right at the end of our podcast. John, let's start with baseball because we got pennant races to talk about and the aftermath of the big trades and teams doing well and teams not doing well. All right. So where do you want to start, Lee? Let's start with with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I All mean, right. this has been a spectacular run that the Dodgers are on. You know, they are 40 plus games over 500. And they're in first place. They now have the best record in all of Major League Baseball, John, uh, 77 and 33 as we head into the great sports weekend. This is a Dodger team that has compiled that record without four of their top starting pitchers. Think about that. Did not have Walker Bueller most of the season, elbow surgery. Have not had Dustin May, their bright young rookie, since last season. He is on rehab. He might join in the middle of the month, elbow surgery. Clayton Kershaw has been on the disabled list three different times. This ongoing back thing that keeps swirling. They have another starting pitcher, Andrew Haney, who's won only one game. He's had off and on injury problems. He's been off and on the disabled list. And Blake Trinan, who is supposed to be one of their closers, has not pitched this season, might be back sometime at the end of August. They're in first place with all those guys on the disabled list. That's a a stunning story. They're doing it with their bats. And I I think the most amazing aspect is who are you going to pitch around in that batting order, John? The Dodgers, as they begin this weekend series in Kansas City, the Dodgers are 32-5 and since the middle of June. Think about that. 32-5 and with all those injured pitchers. Uh, but they're just blasting people. Mookie Betts is having a spectacular season. Uh, he heads into the weekend hitting uh, 275 with 25 home runs. Uh, Trey Turner's having an MVP type season. I don't know whether he'll be a finalist in the vote. He's hitting 308. He's got 18 home runs. What a job he's done at shortstop in a contract year. Freddie Freeman came from Atlanta. He's hitting 325 with 15 bombs. And you add into that the catcher, who's getting no credit nationally at all. Will Smith is hitting 275 with 16 home runs. You don't see catchers do those kind of things offensively. Uh, and then you add in occasionally Justin Turner. Now Max Muncy starting ahead has not hit all season long. There are some home runs from Cody Bellinger, who's been choked off by a slump two and a half years in a row. What a dangerous team. And if they get Walker Bueller back and they get Kershaw back and they get innings and starts out of Dustin May, which they think they might, the final five weeks of the season and then into postseason, 
Best record in baseball, home field advantage for the World Series. How important is that? What an amazing team, considering, John, the adversity that they came through. Yeah, it's it's really amazing because you're right. They, they've had injuries. They've overcome the slow start of Cody Bellinger, who seems like he's completely lost his MVP caliber form. Exactly. But uh, it's, a, it's an organization that seems like they get these guys off the scrap heap, like Chris Taylor or even Max Muncy, and they turn them into stars. Justin Turner was a journeyman. Justin Turner was with the Orioles, was with the Mets, came to the Dodgers as an afterthought on waivers, and look at the three or four years that Justin Turner has put together. So this is a really complete baseball team. I think they have 33 come-from-behind wins. If you look at the metrics, they are tops in hitting in a wide variety of categories. Not just average, not just home runs, but on base percentage, slugging percentage, etc. So it is a complete team, and they're running away with the National League West, which nobody believed was possible, and here they are. They're, they're fighting the Yankees and the Mets for the best record in all of Major League Baseball for home field advantage in all of the playoffs. It's like they can do no wrong. They do a lot of things right at Dodger mm-hmm. Stadium, quote, the Dodger way. Wow. I mean, you know, we're, I'm a Padre fan here. You know, I'm in San Diego, and it was just so frustrating as for us as Padre fans to face that Dodger machine. We thought we had the advantage. Maybe we were on par with them, and then we got swept. It only counts as three losses. What, what really helps the, the Padres right now is they're back into a stretch of games where they're playing really weak teams. And when you look at the Padres and just the makeup of this team, uh, I don't know that they have any chance of ch- chasing down the Dodgers. They have nine games to go with the Dodgers. Keep in mind uh, that whoever they play on the wild card, they're gonna if they win that wild card series, they will play the Dodgers in the second round. So, the, but the, the Padres still have fifty games or so to make this come together, and they will because they're playing some bad ball clubs. They're going into Washington, then they get Miami, then they come home and they're going to get Washington again. Manny Machado is red hot. Juan Soto was hitting pretty doggone well for his first week in a Padre uniform. I think the big challenge is what happens around Machado, who's an MVP candidate. Uh, I have enormous respect for what he's done because he's been hurt. John, if you watch him run the bases, you can see in his gait that he's not 100% healthy, that, that he favors that badly sprained left ankle. And yet he's out there every game, every inning, producing. Uh, interesting statistics. Since the trade for Juan Soto, Manny Machado is hitting 363 with Soto right in front of him in the batting order. That's pretty impressive. Since the trade, Soto is hitting 357 in San Diego. And Hassan Kim, who is supposed to be a utility man, has now taken the shortstop's job. He's hitting 299 since the end of June, John. So, I mean, this team has started to come together with the arrival of Soto and then obviously the, the implementation of Josh Bell as their first baseman. So with 50 games to play and beating up on some bad teams, you know, the, the critical thing is to get as high as you can in the wild card race before this thing starts. I mean, they're not that far back of Atlanta. Have to be concerned about Philadelphia, which is rolling right now, and the Phillies are doing that without Bryce Harper. Rob Thompson, the manager, is 41-19 and 19 since he replaced Joe Girardi. That's pretty impressive. Uh, you got St. Louis, which collectively is a big-hitting team. The Cardinals are in that, in that playoff hunt. So... 
the Padres, Padres, if this batting order can come together and stay hot for a five-week span, they'll be a force to reckon with in postseason. But as you would say, we get to the finish line of the regular season. What's that down the road? Oh, the Dodgers. If they get through the first round of the playoffs, they're going to play the Dodgers in the second round. The other thing, that, and, and I know fans get excited, and a lot of the guys in the media are, are amped about the Padres. Let's be realistic, John. When they go to postseason play, there will be no Colorado Rockies, Washington Nationals, Miami Marlins, Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in, in the playoffs. Uh, their pitching looks fatigued. The hitting looks like it can get hot and stay hot. So it's all there in front of them. We'll have to see what they do, how they grasp it. You know, you said last time that when they put those three big bats in the order, it was going to make the, the other six guys that much better. Exactly. And if you look at the Padres, when they get these guys rolling, who are you going to pitch around in that batting order if they're all hot? Now, I say the same thing about the Dodger batting order. You can't pitch around these guys because there's somebody behind them that's going to light you up, too. So these probably are the two best batting orders now in the National League pennant race. But the Padres have such such a haul to make up because of that losing streak that they had. It's it's really hurt them a great deal. But only thing that counts is what they're doing the first week of October, and that'll be in the wild card round. All right, right on. Well, you know, yesterday, 13 runs. So there's hope. Uh, but they're also playing the San Francisco Giants, who have no pitching. And they're playing the Washington Nationals, who are really downtrodden. And then they get the Miami Marlins, who are forever rebuilding. So there's the, let, let's, as exciting as this might be for a Padre fan, let's be realistic who they're playing. Because they're not playing any of those guys the first week of October when the playoffs begin. And that brings us to the third team here in Southern California you want to talk about. All right. Let's go. Yeah, let's go to Anaheim. What's going on with the Angels? A disaster. Uh, all the plans that Artie Moreno, the owner, made have not panned out. Uh, they have a superstar in Shohei Otani. This guy is doing things that nobody in baseball has done since Babe Ruth. He is a frontline pitcher with 10 wins. He is a home run hitting designated hitter. Uh, the guy is spectacular. And his ability, John... Uh, to be a two-position player and be in the lineup every day is absolutely amazing because he has to prepare daily in the cage to be their designated hitter. You add into that his throwing sessions in between his starts. He can't let up at all in his regimentation. Uh, This is a fascinating baseball player. Now, unfortunately, the greatness of his game has been eradicated because of the garbage around him. They've had so many problems with injuries, John. It's staggering. Uh, they, they have lost Mike Trout twice this year with different injuries, and he's still not back because of a back spine issue. Last year, they lost him for a large segment of the season with a calf injury that just never healed. Mike Trout has been invisible in Anaheim for a year and a half. Not his fault. He plays hard. He got hurt. They lost their third baseman, Anthony Rendon. He's gone. A wrist surgery, second major injury in two years since he signed a free agent contract. And the problem that they've got on their hands right now is they just, they've got a bunch of stopgap stop guys in the rest of the batting order. And complementing this mess is they don't have enough pitching around Otani when Otani is the frontline starter. Otani's got a 2.87 ERA as a starter in addition to what he does as a designated hitter. And off on the horizon, the thing that Angel fans have to pay attention to, and obviously Artie Moreno is going to have to make a tough decision, 
What kind of contract do you sign him to keep him off free agency? That's a big issue. He's got one more year to go on his contract. You know, we just came through the trading deadline, and there was a lot of rumors that maybe the Angels should take a trade offer because maybe he doesn't stay here because he's tired of losing because he wants to win. But he is of such value on the field to the Angels, and he's of such value to the Angels economically because of what he does selling the Major League brand in Japan. The Angels took him off the trade block. I don't think the Angels will, will, will deal him next year. The question is, will they sign him and at what price tag? Because his price tag is going to be spectacular because he is a spectacular individual. But its I'll tell you, it is really hard to be an Angel fan right now because they were in first place early in the season and it just all unraveled because of the injuries. And they never, ever had enough starting pitching. So it's been tough in Anaheim. And Artie Moreno, for as hard as he has tried as an owner, just seems cursed with injuries. The, the drug death pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Prior to that, the drunk driving dr- death of a top young pitcher, Nick Adenhart, who was hit by a drunk driver. Uh, they just can't get out from underneath this black cloud of Angel Baseball. But they got Otani. Now the question is, what can they do in the offseason? Put better people around Otani, and can they sign Otani to stay? That's the big storyline the rest of this year into next year. Right on. Well, I just want to tell everyone that's listening or watching on the broadcast, we invite your questions and comments. Type them in in Twitter, Facebook, or on YouTube, and uh, we'll get your questions on the air, and we'll, we'll take your calls. Let's um, move down the agenda here, Lee. What, what's next? NFL football, first weekend of preseason, and here we go. Uh, it's interesting. The Chargers and Rams play each other in the, quote, Battle of L.A. preseason edition on Saturday. Uh, we know what the Rams have accomplished. The Chargers are trying to get there. Uh, the Chargers have just a bright young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Coming off the 5,000-yard season, this is a special football player, intellectually, physically, uh, cerebrally, athletically. He does everything correct. Uh, not rattled by being in one of the biggest media markets in the country. Not rattled by being on a team that's kind of in rebuild mode. Well, they've worked really hard to get to this point. And this point now has a very good offense led by a six foot six third year quarterback who is dynamic, and they have now fixed their defense. They added six free agents on defense in the offseason. They spent like they've never spent before. It started with the trade for Khalil Mack, the former Raider, uh, former Chicago Bear. Khalil Mack is 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 going to be on one side of Joey Bosa on the other. That pass rush off the edge ought to be fun to watch. They went into the marketplace, and they signed the top cover corner in the NFL. Out of New England, J.C. Jackson. This kid's got 25 interceptions in three years. This kid is gifted athletically. He's become a really good player. And then they went out, and they've added two big defensive tackles inside, led by Sebastian Joseph Day, who had been across the street playing for the Rams. Big and young and physical. And they also signed New York Giants starting defensive tackle Austin Johnson. So you look at their defense, what they did up front on the edge, what they did with the bulk beef guys in the middle, what they did by adding linebackers like Kyle Van Noy, a smart guy, came from the Patriots, and then getting J.C. Jackson on the back end. Holy cow. They look, they look like they are a complete package on defense to complement what that quarterback does. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see over the course of the season if they can stay free of injury and if the defense comes together. 
Ordinarily, people would say, John, well, they got a lot of new parts for Brandon Staley to coach. That's hard to put that many new parts into one side of the football defensively. But the wild card in this whole thing is virtually all those guys that they signed in the offseason, uh, with the exception of J.C. Jackson, the cornerback, all those guys played for Brandon Staley somewhere along the line, whether with the Rams or with the Bears, where Staley coached prior as an assistant. So they know that defense. They walk in the front door, and they are probably much more in tune for what has to be done effective on opening day. And by the way, opening day... Raiders, AFC West division game. We can't wait for Labor Day weekend. But uh, they look like, because of that kid quarterback, they look like they are ready uh, to be really special uh, in a good season. And they need a good season because they've really lost the battle in Los Angeles. They have just not been an impact franchise in the market. Now they've kind of become the fancy Dan team in the league, and everybody's paying attention to what they did in the offseason with that kid quarterback. So it's going to be great. And they start with the Rams this weekend. So how how do you see like the AFC West lining up? What's your predicted order of finish? Well, we got four uh, four weeks to go before the season starts. We had three preseason games. Injuries kind of play a piece of that equation. I think what you need to pay attention to uh, are what's happened with these other franchises. We know what the Chargers have become. Kansas City no longer has Tyreek Hill, their speed merchant wide receiver. They traded him in the offseason. I don't think they're going to be the same team because he was a game-breaker, playmaker, Every time he touched the ball, there was a danger he'd go all the distance. I, I think they're going to be a little bit different team offensively. Denver's got what they've not had since Peyton Manning, and that was a few third downs ago. I'm talking about the arrival of Russell Wilson as their starting quarterback. He's going to make a bunch of plays with a lot of young, skilled guys on offense that they've not been able to make because the quarterbacks weren't up to snuff. Uh, and they had a defense that played really well last year under Coach Vic Fangio. So I think Denver's got enough components with Russell Wilson. Uh, and you got the Raiders with Josh McDaniels coming in from New England as the new head coach. you got Derek Carr, uh, who I think is a tremendous vested veteran. you got Devontae Adams, who they got from Green Bay. A lot of new pieces on the defensive side of the football. That's a team to me that's got, got more question marks than anybody else because they just keep changing parts, changing parts, trying to find a way to get guys uh, they're going to make plays defensively. It has not happened in the last group of years. Now they've imported a whole next wave of guys. But I'll tell you, I would not want to be a defensive coordinator in the AFC West. I think it is going to be so hard because they're, they're, everybody's got dynamic players on the offensive side of the football. Uh, going to be fun. But we'll, that's conversation for the next three weeks before we get to Labor Day weekend and the actual start of the season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got two teams in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. And so what's what's the latest with the Rams? I don't know if the Rams are living on borrowed time. Uh, first things first, uh, let, let's salute what Stan Kroenke did. He built that great stadium. Let's salute Sean McVay, who I think is a brilliant head coach. He's just signed a five-year contract extension. He's been to two Super Bowls already with the Rams. He won the last one that was played. So they kind of own the L.A. market. Uh, the big question there. And I use the word borrowed time. Matthew Stafford has a chronic elbow injury. He did not throw, did not practice all offseason. They gave him a plasma platelet injection in his right elbow. And he was doing well coming through the OTAs. And now it's flared again. And they're limiting the amount of practice that Matthew Stafford has uh, Monday through Friday. And he's not going to play any of the preseason games. 
the, the, the burning question I have, he's got what I think is being described as really bad tendonitis. And once you get the plasma platelet injection, they pretty much have to shut you down for four to six weeks. Well, he's back throwing, but it's flared again. I maintain this. You're a starting quarterback. You need to be able to practice with your guys Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of game week to get ready. And that means you've got to throw the ball a lot. And if he is being held out of practice because he's got tendonitis in the elbow, how does that impact the rhythm of the offense? Now, now they're trying to downplay it. And they're trying to say, we'll manage it. Well, I've seen other guys have elbow problems. It really, really makes it hard. So I hate to use the word that he's living on borrowed time. This this could flare on him again. And what happens if he, if he can't beat the starting quarterback on a consistent basis? Or if he can't practice, can you baby him through the season? That season's 17 weeks now. So that's, that's a Ram storyline, I think, John, that we have to pay an awful lot of attention to. I think one of the other interesting questions is, you know, they, they have lost their longtime left tackle. Andrew Whitworth has retired at age 41. I mean, he was a block of cement there. He, he was just a tremendous player, tremendous leader. He has retired after a brilliant career, maybe, maybe a Hall of Fame career. Do they replace him? And then the third question I think that has to be posed with Rams football, they don't have Robert Woods, who had been very good, very successful there. He, he was traded in the offseason. He's had a lot of injuries the last two years. They don't have him. They have not re-signed Odell Beckham Jr., who had a great end-of-season run and playoff run. He got injured, re-injured the ligament in his knee that he had torn when he was with the New York Giants. He's not ready to play football for anybody. He's an unsigned free agent. Who knows how long it's going to take for him to come back. Now, if they sign him, you know, they, they, they put, put him on a reserve list and, until he's cleared to practice. But we're not talking about he's going to be ready a week from Monday or four weeks from Monday because he's, he's unsigned and has not been with the team. So those are big issues. And then they lost one big free agent, Sebastian Joseph Day, who went across the street to the Chargers. And he was a stud tackle with Aaron Donald right in the middle. So there's a bunch of questions, starting with Matthew Stafford's help, that we have to, uh, health we have to pay attention to as it relates to will the Rams repeat? Everybody will be gunning for them. It's just not quite the same team as it was last year. Now, how old is Matthew Stafford? 34. I mean, he's played a lot of football. He took a battering in Detroit, and he stood in there, and he made a lot of big plays. And he has really come fast as the Rams leader and the Rams quarterback. But now he's got this what appears to be acute tendonitis in the right elbow, and like I say, quarterbacks have to practice during the week to develop rhythm to this offense. And if he can't throw the numbers of passes he needs to throw Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what's your offense going to be like? Remains to be seen. Uh, I, I hope they're not living on borrowed time. But, boy, you wake up one day with injuries at the quarterback position. Now you've got a franchise got problems. Well, well, you know, the training camps are getting organized I know you're getting excited for the season, so a lot more to talk about in the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, A couple of other notes. Let's talk tennis. Uh, This is quite a story. Serena Williams is retiring after the U.S. Open. Uh, this, This woman was a trailblazer for the sport. In the history of sports, I think the greatest female athlete, I'm not talking about just accomplishments on the field of play, I think the greatest accomplishment was Billie Jean King. And what she did for the sport of tennis, what she did for women's athletics, 
and what she did really for Title IX in college athletics and, and, and high school athletics. She was the trendsetter. Serena has been a trailblazer in the sport. 73 career wins. Nobody's done that. 23 Grand Slam events, second on the all-time list. Uh, All those wins at Wimbledon, all those wins at the U.S. Open, all those wins at the Australian Open and at the French Open. So she is retiring as she turns 41. Uh, She's had injuries the last two years, so she's not quite the same player. She revolutionized the sport, made it a power game for women rather than a stylistic game of tennis. And she did an awful lot for for Title IX, women's athletes, and she also did things for motherhood because she played on the pro tour while she was pregnant with her first child. And she went through a really difficult pregnancy, and she came back to excel after that. Uh, The other piece of the equation is that she is— She's going to have a second child. So that's that's one of the reasons at this point she's made the announcement. She's stepping aside. But Trailblazer, spectacular career, a tremendous person, great impact, I think, on all sports for all girls. Well, I think the news was that she was going to evolve away from tennis. So I, I think that means we're going to still see her, but maybe not as frequent. And eventually she'll hang it up. I don't think she'll play after the U.S. Open. But that does not preclude her from walking into the media. And I think that that might happen, too. So what I I think one of the most spectacular individuals I think we've ever seen on the women's pro sports scene. Okay. All right. Well, we've got a live audience here with the dog barking and doing the podcasting. So that's what makes it fun. So uh, thanks for joining us. We, We got more topics on the table, Lee. What else we got today? Last one we'll talk about is the civil war that's going on in in pro golf. We're talking about the PGA versus the LIV, the Saudi Super League, John. Uh, All these guys, there are now 29 have jumped from the PGA Tour to go to the LIV tour for the guaranteed money. The latest is the kid that just won the British Open. It's a shocker. Cam Smith from England. Really? Oh, wow. He's elected. He is going effective. I think it's on Labor Day weekend in September. He's going to join the LIV tour. Well, the LIV has filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA for what they've done with the suspension of all the players. That's a court case that's going way down the road. Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson are heading up that lawsuit. Uh, the, the LIV also filed asking this week for an injunction in a court in San, San Jose that would have allowed players to come back and play in the FedEx Cup, which is the points championship at the end of the season. And the judge just nailed him. The judge rebuked everything that was in the LIV request for an injunction. And he told those players that jumped to Saudi Arabia uh, this is not an emergency financial situation for you. You're getting all this guaranteed money to play in Saudi Arabia, whether you do good or not. By the way, you players were part of the policy tour board that developed the rules for the PGA. You signed off on all the paperwork about what getting a PGA tour card should mean. And then you turned around and you violated all the things you proposed as a member of the policy tour board. You don't deserve to come back here because you turned against the deal that you negotiated yourself. So he refused to issue the injunction, and the FedEx Cup tournament has begun. This is worth $75 million, uh, the final group of tournaments. Uh, so, so the LIV is out there. 
the fact that they have raided the PGA, they have strip mined the Pro Tour of an awful lot of quality names led by Phil Mickelson. So this is not a good situation for the PGA in terms of how they're going to be viewed going forward with a bunch of unknowns. It's it's a bad situation for the guys who went to LIV because they've disappeared off the radar. You turn on PGA golf on Sundays to watch the final round. Who are these guys? Because all this, all these marquee names have left. So it's just a really ugly time. And I see no solution uh, to this uh, scenario at all. I don't think there'll be any negotiations between Greg Norman and the Saudi group and the PGA Tour and their commissioner, Jay Monahan, who has just been steadfastly opposed to everything that the LIV has done. So the story is not over, but these guys are not going to be allowed to come back and play. Wow. I mean, this is a little bit like when the USFL was created. And so you have a competitive league, players jump and ship, but maybe this might be a little different because of all the money that's being provided. This seems like it's an endless stream. Well, it is. And they, don't, they do not have a big TV contract here in the States. Uh, Donald Trump's courses are hosting a number of the tournaments, and there have been a lot of protesters there. Um, it's, it's golf, yes, but it's not play to win golf because you're getting paid whether you finish first or you finish 41st. You're getting a large amount of money. And I, I think a lot of people are offended by this whole situation. They've held a couple tournaments here in the States already, one in Portland and one at Bedminster, Trump's course in New Jersey. And the guys, the PGA guys that played in the LIV tournaments here in the States got harassed while they were on the course. They got mocked by the fans, and there were not big galleries at all. Uh, been criticized by the media. Those guys didn't want to talk to the media about why in the world would you do this to your career. You know, and Phil Mickelson has just been horrid in his three tournaments that he's played in the Saudi Super League. He's just not competitive. Uh, lucky for him, there's no cuts in the LIV tournament. He would not have made the cuts. So it's it to me, it's... It's all about money. It's all about greed. And it, it just looks bad, sounds bad, feels bad. And it's impacted the PGA Tour now because when you look at the leaderboards outside of Rory McIlroy, do you recognize many of the names atop the leaderboards in the PGA? Because mm-hmm. 29 guys, 29 guys have jumped to the Saudi Super League. Story's not over, but I don't know that the story is going to get any better. Wow. I mean, a lot going on in the PGA, too. You know, when I watch golf now on TV, I'm always rooting for our local guy, Xander Shoffley. I mean, he's having a heck of a run, but, you know, some of the competition is kind of cleared out of the way. I hate to say the competition's been watered down because there's a lot of young guys trying to make their way on the PGA Tour. But I think we, we would all punch up tournaments to see what Dustin Johnson would do, to see what DeChambeau would do, to see what Phil would do to see what Tiger, if he could play, would do. And now most of those guys are gone, and that's that's really sad. And I think the other thing that's offensive is a whole bunch of these guys, when, when the LIV tour went public, a lot of these guys ripped it, said, no, I'd never do that. Why would I do that? Virtually all those guys, led by Phil, led by DJ, led by Brooks Kepka, all those guys have gone. I guess everybody's got a price. It's real to me. It's a sad commentary about the individual. Uh, obviously, it's impacted the PGA. Right on. Well, I mean, Lee, this ha- this this podcast 
I'm fired up for it. I mean, you're here every week. You you got your takes, your <laughs> your topics on the table. I mean, how does it feel to be back in front of the microphone? And I, I've seen a lot of comments online. They're really happy to see you. Well, I think it's been fun. Uh, this is new for me. Uh, I've I've really enjoyed it. There is so much out there to talk about. Obviously, by what's going on in our town with with the the Padres and the pennant race and the opening of the brand new Aztec Stadium a couple of weeks from now. But there's so many things nationally and globally to talk about. So we'll try to touch everybody's hot button as we go along week by week on our podcast. And in closing, let me remind you: if you like what we're doing with our podcast, please check my website. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I write on, it, write on it every day. You get the best 15 minutes in sports. You get Hacksaw's headlines. And you get one man's opinion columns. A lot to talk about. John, we'll see you next week. Thanks for the time as always. All right. Thanks a lot, Lee. Join us again for Hacksaw's headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.